Don't put it on Facebook even, as I took a walk down memory lane. But um, before we even begin, I, I must say, I did feel a little bit nervous coming up here. Um, but even in prayer, I was just reminding you, this is not my responsibility, this is God's responsibility. And um, so I just wanted to take a moment just to pray before we, before we start. Dear Father God, thank you so much simply for, for who you are, Lord God. I, it's amazing to think of this city, Father God, this city that I came to five years ago now. Father God, to begin my studies, Lord God, and I, I learned so much more than I expected to ever learn, Lord. And many, many familiar and loving faces to me, Father God. Faces that when I met the first time, Lord, I had no idea I would ever love them as I do, Father God. And I, I thank you so much for that. Lord, I, I pray that you may be with me during every moment of, of my time up here, Lord God, that your spirit may work through me, Lord, and may guide me and direct me in every word, Lord. And I pray that you may uh, speak to the hearts of every individual here, Father God, and that you may take that responsibility, Lord God, because you love each and every person here deeply, Father. I thank you, love you, and I trust you, Lord. And thank you for the ability and the opportunity to say great news in a moment, Lord. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, as I, as I mentioned in the prayer, I'm very, very grateful to God for the opportunity to be able to share great news. I thought I'd kick off uh, this sermon by just kind of giving you some insight into where the different members of the old student group are, where they are now. And um, Cameron is on the PowerPoint. So this was our Bible discussion. Um, that must be two and a half years ago now, kind of like midway through my third year, 2012, I'm going to assume. You've got a plethora of people there, um, and some people are still in the UK, some are abroad, some are leading, some are working, some are dating, and I've run through a few of those names. So, do you guys remember Jess, Jess Deneen? She was uh, baptized in 2012, so she has just, when did she leave? She left, we said goodbye to her, or well, not goodbye, we said bye, see you soon. Um, when was it? It was about a month ago now. Also, and she's gone to Vermont on a one-year challenge, and uh, she will be returning in a year's time, obviously. Um, but it was an amazing, faithful decision that she made to go out and serve the church out in Vermont for one year. And we had many conversations. She was working at IBM while I was working at Mars, and we were both kind of figuring out, is, you know, is this where we want to be? Is this the best place and opportunity to give glory to God and it was super inspiring for me when she made that decision she said I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to go to serve God in that way that's Jess um, we also said good oh again bye as opposed to goodbye to Sarah Sarah D'Souza who's also in that picture she is leaving is it this Sunday Chids? Saturday the coming Saturday she's going to Boston but she'll be working for the church in Boston, and she's, she'll be an intern there. So she's set up on a contract for three years, but again, another inspiring, amazing decision. And while during her time working in London, I mean, amazing things have happened. She's told me so many faithful stories of her boss studying the Bible and her friends from school, a number of them studying the Bible. A friend of hers um, called Chabusi became a disciple. He studied the Bible and said, yep, this is the real deal. I want to, to, to live as a Christian. And it turns out that he's a friend of my really good friend who I met him about two years ago at his birthday party and just realizing how God works and such a, how small a world we live in. Um, and then we have Shakira in that picture as well. 
Shakira. Shakira and Rachel, actually, both of them are living together in a sister's flat with two other sisters. Um, Shakira is now leading the teens in the East London church. So she's on staff at present with Jack. Shakira and Jack are both leading the teens together, which is super inspiring. And Rachel, Rachel's dating. She's, I don't know if anyone knows a guy called Jack Corson. Awesome, really awesome guy. Really, really loving, genuine guy. So that's Rachel, Jemima. Jemima in the picture also. She just came back from a summer two months in Philadelphia on um, Hope Camp for Camp Miracles. Can't remember the title. I think that is correct. Andy gave me the nod. <laughs> and um, when again, the story she told me, this is a camp whereby children from neighboring cities and so forth, not necessarily from the church, just children with pretty much troubled backgrounds have the opportunity to come out to camp for a week, leave behind all the different issues from their neighborhoods and so forth, and just have a great time and being led by Christians, being led by people whom trust in God with all of their hearts and setting a good example for them. That's Jemima. Um, we have Glynis in the picture as well. So Glynis is in the, the, at present in the church in East London um, with Shakira and Rachel also. But things got a bit challenging for Glynis. Um, but she had the joy of seeing her sister become a disciple, Penny, which was an amazing victory for, for her and for, for the rest of the group to observe. Um, and at present, she's restudying the Bible. But again, going through that faithfully and, and steadily, which is, a, I guess, a great encouragement for all of us who really, really care and love Glynis greatly. And we could flip the slide, Cameron. Temi! So, <laughs> so Temi, uh, she's currently dating Christian. And if anyone knows Christian Xavier, um, and she, she's, the last time I spoke to her, she was really, really happy about that. She's currently teaching. She's a teacher in South East London, South East or South London. And uh, Christian's doing a one-year challenge in the church in North London. And uh, me and Kim are looking forward to going out on a date with them soon, very soon. All right, if we can switch to the next slide. Mare. Does anyone remember Mare? Yeah. So she, she left when, that was 2011? So she left, she graduated in 2011 and went back home. And she's married. And this is her and her husband. I've forgotten his name. His name is... Yanis. Yanis. Great brother, so I hear. I've never met him before. And he confirms he's a great guy. Got the nod, yep. <laughs> And she looks very, very happy in that picture. So that's Mare. And just greetings from the church in the Four Rivers um, in West London. This is the, the family group that I currently am within, the singles family group in West London. Um, we're a, a growing bunch. We have a guy called Jason in the middle to the, I guess, my or your right-hand side of the post. He recently became a, a disciple who was baptized in June, I believe, May or June. Um, a really great guy, lives in Slough, lives just where I used, behind where I used to live. Um, but I didn't actually meet him then, I met him long afterwards. But um, again, a, a growing group, really inspiring. Um, even one of my colleagues from Mars is studying the Bible. She's not in that picture at the moment. But um, many other friends and maybe familiar faces that you'd recognize, Barney, Anne, Carolina, Katia, Zorro, Priya, um, Aubrey, and so forth. Um, flip to the next slide. James Sago. Does anyone remember James Sago? Yeah. So James Sago is, is the brother on the right hand, or your right hand side. Um, he's now my housemate, which is really cool. And uh, having a lot of fun with James at the moment. It's been just about a month. And uh, 
it's fun, put it that way. <laughs> Having a, a lot of good times, a lot of good jokes, um, but at the same time, growing deeper and growing spiritually, or both growing spiritually together and deepening our friendship. And finally, thank you very much, Kimberly. <laughs> So Kimberly's doing great up in North London. She recently got engaged, so I hear. Um, <laughs> to this guy in the picture here called Senyo. So I'm so excited. I'm very, very glad to say to you guys. And we, we were here the weekend that we actually did get engaged. It was a pleasure to, to be in Birmingham that weekend. Um, so we are engaged and we're hoping to get married in February of 2015. So... Looking forward to sending out some more details on that when that comes, or when it's formally confirmed. Um, but yeah, that's a rundown of, of the, the crew, so to speak, of the, the old Burnham student group. There, there's some more of us, but um, many are doing a number of different things. Some not still with the church, unfortunately. But um, I mean, amongst those whom who are in those photos. I mean, so many amazing, incredible things have happened. And we owe a lot, if not all, down to, first and foremost, God's love, the fact that we came to a knowledge of God, and the love of each and every single one of you here, and the different experiences we've had interacting with you on an individual basis, on a body basis, a congregational basis, the prayers, lots and lots of prayers, um, for which we are eternally grateful. Um, so on that note, Birmingham was significant because, well, for, for all of us, I guess Sarah and Shakira came as Christians, but for all of us mentioned, we came to a knowledge of who God was in Birmingham. So it became, this is now a significant city to us. It's not just a university town. This is, I guess, hometown, so to speak. Um, and because we came to that knowledge of God here, that really did inspire the thoughts for this message. So the title of the sermon is Knowing God. Knowing God. So during my, my time at university, I came to a knowledge of a lot of things. Um, so I studied economics. I came to I have a lot of knowledge of economics to some extent. Um, I came to a knowledge of I guess life, friendships, relationships, how things change and the dynamics when parents aren't around. Um, I came to a knowledge of how, <laughs> you wouldn't believe me when I say this. I came to a knowledge of how to use a washing machine at university. Um, for which, I don't know, should I be ashamed? I could do other stuff, I just didn't know how to use a washing machine. Um, uh, what else? I came to knowledge of a number of different things while at university, but most significantly, I came to a greater knowledge of who I am, what I'm about, why I'm here, purpose, significance, and, and most importantly, all of that came through a greater knowledge of God. But what does it really mean to, to know God? I mean, I know economics, is that equivalent to, to knowing God, reading books and gaining information? Um, so this morning I have three points on that topic of knowing God. The first point being knowing God through Christ. So knowing God through Jesus. And the second point being knowing God through experience. And that is, to be honest, a shaper of knowledge, experience. And finally, knowing God through your next decision. So I'm going to kick off with the first point, knowing God through Christ. So in terms of people who know God in his absolute power and glory, there's only one person to know God fully, and that's Jesus. So there's actually no better place to start in terms of answering that question, what does it mean to, to know God? Let's turn in our Bibles together to Matthew 6. 
All right. So Matthew 6. So this is towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And, you know, Jesus has given some teachings that are in line, perfectly in line with the law, but actually calling people to a much higher standard. And this may have felt challenging, overwhelming to many people in the crowds, even to the point of, we can't do this, this isn't feasible. But in Matthew 6, we'll read verses 5 to 10. Jesus says, so it reads, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So I start in this scripture because I think Jesus makes a really, really significant point in that he, in that he says, when you pray, go to your room, close the door, and pray to your Father. That's incredibly significant. So throughout all of the Old Testament, throughout all of the scriptures that the Jews would have been familiar with, at no point did any prophet pray to their Father. At no point. And Jesus was giving them almost the the opportunity to, to, to recognize God as dad, not God as, you know, the God in the temple whom you can, can't have access to except through a certain process, but actually flipping that on its head completely to, you know, the, the God that's with you in your living room, you know, the God that helps you through challenging circumstance, the God that gives you advice about relationships, the God that even supports you during your university years and, like, fills in the gaps where, where there are blanks missing. Um, and to me, the concepts of a good dad, or to many of us even, the concepts of a good dad is, I guess, an amazing thing. And to some of us, it may be alien. We may not have had the greatest dads. But the needs for every individual to have, a, I guess, a present dad and a good dad is very, very real. And in this, Jesus kind of opens the door and says, actually, no, you do have a great dad. A dad that wants to give you everything that a good dad wants to give to their children. So if we jump to verse 25 in chapter 6. So I read from, from 25 to the end of that section, to the end of the chapter. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear, is, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not spin or labor. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If this, is how you're, if this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. 
Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. More than anything, God desires us to seek him. So, again, one could only imagine being a dad myself, but one thing I would love more than anything for my children to do is to actually reach out to me, to actually call upon me for help, because I want to help. I would want to help my children to, to genuinely, from the bottom of their hearts, trust me with all that they have, because I'm their dad. You know, I, I, I care and I love and I'm just a, a simple man. I'm an imperfect man. There, there are many men out there who have children but leave their children. And yet, I'm sure there is a love there. But we as human beings are imperfect. But God himself is perfect. I mean, it comes with a, I guess, at the end, towards the end of the scripture, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. So God desires to be dad. God desires to be there. God desires to be all loving. But it requires us to seek him, to actually seek him out, to reach out to him. God desires a genuine relationship with us. And that is a significant part of knowing God. Through Jesus, we come to understand and learn of the love of God, the genuine, sincere, deep, you cannot replicate that kind of love. so I even remember coming into university myself um, in first year, so back in 2009, thinking to myself, do you know what? I want to learn more about God. So I did say that even from the beginning, because I had quite a number of religious friends, but for me it wasn't necessarily a seeking God. It was a, here's a sphere of my life that I want to add some knowledge to. So I'm, I'm good with economics, you know, I'm good with this, I'm good with that, so let me add to my repertoire of information by finding out some information about religion and faith and stuff. Um, And I remember coming to church the first time um, through Evelyn and Sarah and Kimberly and a number of different people who invited me, and um, it was was a good experience. I I felt like I learned a lot, and when asked the first time if I wanted to study the Bible, um, on the one hand I was like, yes, I do want to study the Bible, but on the other hand it's like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to go that deep so fast. And um, to my shame, I kind of hiding it from Andy, I gave him an email address that I didn't check very often. Um, and I, he did send me an email to, to follow up and say, you know, it's great to meet you. Would you like to study the Bible? And I never got it. And I never got that email. So the first time there was a, I'm interested in God. I want to, to know God or know about God. But there definitely wasn't, I want to know God, who God truly is, and there wasn't a seeking of God. And uh, I'm still paying for that mistake. <laughs> so Andy sent me an email about this weekend, some time back, but it went to that other email address that I gave him <laughs> and uh, found out on Thursday. So it was kind of like, cool. <laughs> you know, there, there are consequences to sin. <laughs> but so that was the first time I was offered if I wanted to study the Bible. And there was a second time that I was asked if I wanted to study the Bible, which was directly through Kimberly. She asked me, remember that guy Andy you met, would you want to meet up with him and, and study the Bible? And at this point, I think I had done a bit of church hopping and done some exploring. And I, to be honest, I felt like if there were so many different views and opinions and people who call themselves Christians, but their lives are no different to mine, there came a point where I was like, I'd rather read it for myself and then I'll get back to you and we can kind of compare notes on, you know, philosophies of, of the Bible and so forth. Um, so pride said, 
no, <laughs> I don't want to study the Bible. Pride stopped me from coming to a greater knowledge of God. Pride led me to want to know about God for myself and show that actually I can figure it out because I can read, um, as opposed to seek God fully. Um, so I spent the whole summer in Barbados that that um, I think that was summer of 2010, trying to read my Bible. I was like, if I can't read it here, there's nowhere I can read it. Because I was working, I had an apartment, and the beach was 20 minutes away. I had all the time in the world. It was like six weeks. And I returned to Birmingham in the beginning of my second year to say, Kimberly, remember that guy you were talking about? Yeah, I wouldn't mind meeting up with him. <laughs> um, simply because I just don't understand it. And at this point, I think some stuff had happened, and I, I felt a greater need. Um, so the third time now, given the opportunity to study the Bible, I met up with Andy, and I, I would say I was feeling a little bit more needy, but at the same time, definitely not seeking God with all of my heart. Um, so I remember meeting Andy the first time in, um, on campus in the Guild of Students in the kind of outside seizing area, and um, I said, yes, I would like to study the Bible, um, prepared to put some time aside each week, but I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, I'm certainly not going to be baptized, but I do want to know. <laughs> <laughs> so there was no concept of, <laughs> I'm joining you, or I want to know, or I want to do whatever it takes. It was definitely a concept of, I, I want some knowledge, I want to know about God. Um, and in that process of studying the Bible, it wasn't until I began to genuinely surrender and say, wow, this is, there, there are instructions here, and I'm not following them. It wasn't until I came to the point of literally having to throw pride away and say, I am wrong, and even to the point of discussing with people who had different views to what the Bible said, to say, actually, it sounds like you're wrong. <laughs> I was wrong too. It's all good, but, you know making that decision and at that point only at that point did I begin to have the opportunity even to come to a knowledge of God and again differentiating significantly between a knowledge about God and a knowledge of God um, big 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 difference so in conclusion of the first one is through Christ we have an opportunity to understand the Father and in order to understand the Father in order to even approach Christ pride and I guess independence and the desire to do everything on your own and the I guess the lack of surrender it's, it's impossible to know God absolutely impossible and uh, so let's turn in our Bibles to Deuteronomy 4 so we had a, a conference in London a couple weeks ago and we were given a great introduction to the book of Deuteronomy by Chris Reed. And one of the things he mentioned was, in the book of Deuteronomy, it, it screams out through every chapter, God is sovereign. So through the law, through God making a point about every aspect of their living, he was making it very, very clear that I am God. So everything was an act of worship. Everything was an act of worship. Um, and in this passage... God is reminding the Jewish people of who he is and um, what he's done for them. So I'm just going to take some water. And we'll read Deuteronomy 4, verses 32 to 35. 
Sorry, I should have said that a second ago. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> so it reads, Ask now about the former days, long before your time, from the day God created man on the earth. Ask from one end of the heavens to the other, has anything so great as this happened, or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard, of, heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Has any God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another by testings, by miraculous signs and wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds like all the things the Lord your God, has, the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes? You were shown these things so that you might know that the Lord is God. Besides him, there is no other. When I first read this passage, for me it was significant because I look back at, I guess, time in Birmingham, even time post-Birmingham, time pre-Birmingham, and I see that my history was designed for me to know God. So many things, good and bad, were set up for me to come to a knowledge of God. And in the scripture... So in verse 35 where it says, so that you might know that the Lord is God. The word know here is, is a Greek or is um, a Hebrew term. So I guess in English, knowledge is, or to know is to know. So it's, it could be information, it could be a number of different things. But specifically it was a word called yada. And this word is, is a significant word. So I'll read a definition of, of, of this word. So yada is to know or to learn to perceive, to discern, to experience, to confess, to consider, to know, ration, to know relationally, sorry, to know, so to know how, to be skilled, to be made known, to make oneself known, or to make to know. There are lots of different words to, to sum up this one word, yada, but for me, one of the, the most significant words is to experience. So you can imagine, God may say, okay, Moses, strike your staff, separate the sea, and then you will know I am God. So it's one thing for him to say, I am God, or for someone to say, the God of, of the Israelites is God, but it's another thing to experience that, to be present and to say, not even to say, to feel in your innermost being and know that he is God. And the reason I feel that is significant because head, or to, to know about God doesn't require any experience. You can study the Bible all of your life. You can be the greatest, I guess, the greatest lecturer about the Bible and have no knowledge, no true yada knowledge of God. And the difference, the step change between knowledge, information, as we know it, versus this concept is obedience is actually doing something. Um, so if, take, for example, being in Egypt, the, the Jews were enslaved in Egypt. If Moses commanded them and said, you know, the Lord says, do one, two, three, and four. Thank you, for Andy, for, for taking us to the, to the cross um, through the scriptures. If, if the Passover came, or the opportunity for the Passover came, and they said, nah, <laughs> you know, we, we believe you, but yeah, maybe not nothing would have happened. Life would have gone on. They would have continued to struggle. They would have been slaves. That would have been the end of the chapter, the end of the book. But they chose to be obedient to the instructions of Moses, which came from God. 
And that's the same for each and every single one of us today. I mean, it's, it's great to study the Bible, but to study it and to live it, to study it and to be obedient, to study it and to reflect on yourself and draw out knowledge of yourself and knowledge of God, is without that, it's pointless. Without that, it's, it's a pursuit of knowledge about God as opposed to knowledge of God. Um, and I think that's possibly the, the most or one of the worst places to be, to, to live a life pursuing knowledge about God. So you have one foot in, but not really knowing God because you have one foot out because you choose not to surrender because you, you choose to be prideful over to submit. Um, and again, to put it simply, it's not possible to, to live in, that, in such a way. So imagine an apprentice, for example, an apprentice, so uh, it could be a carpenter, and there is a master and there is a student. If the student wants to be, or wants to come to a knowledge of carpentry, it's essential, absolutely essential for him to copy what the master does. And if he copies some stuff and not other stuff, then he's going on a tangent of his own. He's becoming what he wants to be. Whereas if he follows the master every step of the way and trusts in the master's skill and ability, then he too will, or he can aspire to at the very, very. Or he can aspire to be like the master. So in carpentry, that's possible. You know, you could be just like the person teaching you. But Jesus is the master in our circumstance. He is the perfect example, one which we will never attain. But in that pursuit, in that sincerity of pursuit, we come to a knowledge of God. We come to a genuine and sincere knowledge of God. And throughout our lifetime, we'll never come to a full knowledge of God. Only Jesus came to, only Jesus knew of God 100% because he was God. Um, but we ourselves will come to a full knowledge of God if we pursue obedience and faith to the scriptures. And that will come on the final day. Um, let's turn to Romans 12. And we'll read verses 1 and 2. So if one chooses to be obedient, what does that even look like? How do you even begin to start? Is there inspiration in the scriptures in, in terms of what that is like? So I'll just read very, this very short passage, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I think Romans has to be one of my favorite books because when I was studying the Bible, it explained everything to me. Um, and it was, so I had a lot of challenges in terms of I thought I had to convince my mum to say this is a good idea. Um, but I remember there was one long conversation I had with her where I literally just explained the book of Romans from maybe, or chapter 1 to maybe about chapter 12 or 13 and then told her what I was doing. And that was a firm statement. I, this is what I'm doing because it says. Um, so I love the book of Romans. It's really, really, really informative on a number of different topics, but um, especially that of surrender. So let's read uh, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. So it reads, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the ways or to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. 
or good, pleasing, and perfect will. So this was a concept that was very, very foreign to me when I was asked the first time if I wanted to study the Bible, and the second, and the third even. But through God's word, I began to understand this concept of being a living sacrifice. The concept of, I guess it's a daily concept, it's not a concept of a one-off. This concept of saying every day, I'm going to plan my schedule around what I know to be true. Every week, that goes in first. Every week I I say no to myself, or every day I say no to myself, and I say yes to the different opportunities that God has provided me with. Um, Tough concept to be a living sacrifice. To to, to literally say Senyo is no longer present, and I'm going to live for God, as in whatever my my ambitions were are gone, and now there's a new order. Um, Again, a, a challenging concept. Um, Because I had many, many ways of living that I enjoyed, that I may have recognized they weren't good. I still enjoyed them. Um, But to say, no, actually, I'm going to be a living sacrifice in accordance with what I've read. And then he goes on to say, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's something that, when you come to a knowledge, or a, a growing knowledge of God, a sincere knowledge, your mind is changed and you begin to perceive the world in a different way. But again, this is a, another daily decision to perceive, like Roger shared in, in the contribution, to perceive money as a tool. It's got nothing to do with your salvation. It's got nothing to do with the relationship with God at all. So I was on the opposite side of the fence to Roger a few uh, a year ago as a buyer. So he was a salesman, I was a buyer. I was trying to save as much and he's trying to gain as much. And that's an easy world and an easy cycle to say, actually, my well-being is based on numbers. My well-being is based on money. And a great way to lose yourself, a great way to have a knowledge and lose that knowledge and switch from knowledge of God to knowledge about God. Um, but yeah, making that decision to say, actually, no, I'm going to pursue this uh, concept of being a living sacrifice and renewing my mind. And then it then goes on to say, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There is no way to be obedient without seeking God's will. That is, the, 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 I guess, the, the, the intention of obedience, to seek God's will. And um, I guess that provides me with a great deal of security, that A, my, my dad loves me, and he desires to provide everything for me, and he, he sets me up for success, and B, his will is not just good, it's genuinely the very, very best. And I need to trust that his word is true, follow it, and it says it will be good, pleasing, and perfect. Definitive statement. I guess there is limit, there's not much more to add to that in terms of a promise. Um, and I find that incredibly inspiring. So so the concept of total sacrifice can be very, very complex. It can be very, very complex when we intellectualize it and say, well, this knocks onto this and this affects this. But again, if you trust in God wholeheartedly, it's a simple decision to make. Um, And um, I guess before becoming a disciple, I had a number of different relationships and none of them were successful. And none of them I look back and think, wow, that was great. Um, However... I'm in a relationship at the moment with Kimberly, and 
I look at that and I think, why do I feel so positive? Why do I feel so hopeful and joyful about it? Why am I, why do I perceive it to be success, though it's not perfect? And I look at that experience and I, I say, do you know what? It's because it was simple decisions in taking advice to submit to what is written. Some things I didn't fully understand even, but it was a case of, you know what, I'd rather submit and understand later than not and do my own thing and then find out from the consequences. Um, so, for example, purity, a concept that to me was alien prior to coming to, to, prior to studying the, the Bible. Um, and I'm, I'm, I guess, proud in one sense and humbled in another sense that the very first time I would ever kiss Kimberly would be in February of 2015 exactly and and there is still a way to go and and days to submit to that concept but I have no regrets about that at all and I I love sharing that with my colleagues at work it's easy to share because it's like no I do it because it's the right thing to do and it's not good and it's not religious it's genuinely the best thing to do it's the easiest way for me to share my faith I find that it just rolls off the cuff because I've seen the history of my previous way of life. And that is a testimony to why God's way is perfect. Um, <laughs> seeking advice. Um, so I look at previous relationships. I, do not consider myself, I didn't consider myself qualified to advise anyone on relationships, especially myself. Um, and people said things that, I, again, I didn't fully understand at the time. So in terms of boundaries, in terms of, I guess, ways of conducting that relationship, spending lots of time together, being alone and so forth, and in my head it was kind of like, we'll be okay. But <laughs> the scriptures say, you know, so in Proverbs fifteen twenty two it says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Cool, I'm just going to submit to that. <laughs> because if people who are successful in relationships are giving me the advice that I may not think is necessarily correct or best, it's probably a good idea to follow them and trust that they are following God and that their success was inspired by God. And when we're not called to follow people, we're called to follow God. Um, and finally, I remember, I think it was just after I'd studied the Bible, being asked about, you know, I'm interested in any sisters. I was like, not at all. You know, I was just trying to keep my mind focused on, on the scriptures and so forth. Um, but I remember being given the advice that the woman I should choose to, to be, eventually be my wife should be a woman who loves God more than she would ever love me and whom I can be. And then they say, I guess it's a decision of faith that she will always be that person that will love God more than she loves me. And that, again, is inspired by the scriptures. Mark uh, 12, verse 29 Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your... Sorry, with, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind and with all of your strength. So that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone who does that and I'm looking to be that person also. Um, and it's in submission to the scriptures and obedience and genuinely trying to seek God's will for my life that I actually now feel incredibly positive. I feel confident in the decision. I don't feel anyone could, could shake that decision because I felt like it was a decision made with God. Um, my dad. <laughs> my dad who cares and loves, for me, loves me dearly. So moving on to the final point. Your next decision. Sorry, I'm sitting there. Your next decision. And 
I think often we can feel like history defines who we are. So this is the person I was, therefore that's the person I am. But with any relationship, relationships can be made and improved or destroyed by virtue of your very next decision. So you could be best friends with someone and your next decision could ruin your friendship completely. Or you could be terrible friends with someone, enemies, and your next decision could bring you back to, or bring you together as if you were friends for years. And it's the same with God. Whether we've been Christians for many, many years, faithful disciples, our next decision could end a relationship, a true knowledge of God tomorrow. Um, or whether we've been, you know, whether this is the first time we've ever even looked into the Bible, and this is a new concept for us, our next decision could actually bring us really close to God, could bring us to a true, genuine, and sincere knowledge of God. But regardless of where you are, this decision is an important one. It's an incredibly important one, because to know God has eternal impact. So let's look at Luke 13. This will be the, the last scripture we look at. And we'll read verses 22 to 27. All right, so it reads. Then Jesus went through the towns and the villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading. Sir, open the door for us. But he will, he will answer, I do not know you or where you have come from. Then you will say, but we ate and drank with you and taught in your streets. So, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I do not know you or where you came from. Away from me, you evildoers. So for me, this, this explains why it's important to have a knowledge of God as opposed to a knowledge about God. Because... I guess what fills me with with fear is to be that guy that says, but didn't I attend Bible discussion every week? You know, didn't I go to to church every Sunday? Didn't I preach on a Sunday? Didn't I, you know, seek advice about stuff? But then Jesus turning around and saying, but I didn't actually know who you were. It's, It's like, didn't I know a lot about you, Jesus? Didn't I know a lot about your teachings? But Jesus kind of saying, actually, well, you didn't know me. And you didn't know my teachings because you didn't choose to live it. You didn't choose to be obedient. So on the one hand, that's quite scary and intimidating because the impact or the consequences of not choosing to seek God's will and not choosing to, to, to be obedient is significant. But on the other hand, it's a massive opportunity to be that person in the house. You know, it's, even being a doorman in the kingdom of God is an amazing thing. <laughs> to be the cleaner in the kingdom of God is an amazing thing. And to think we've been given that opportunity is mind-blowing. So the concept of a knowledge of God is something to work on daily. Whether you, know, you feel like you have a great knowledge or whether you feel like you don't have a great knowledge of God... Today is an opportunity. So every day we're born is another opportunity. Every day we wake up, sorry, <laughs> is another opportunity. And on that note, I'd just like to, to thank you all for, for listening. Um, 
Really, really appreciate being back here in Birmingham, and thank you for making me feel so welcome. Um, Kimberly sends her apologies. She was at a wedding yesterday, so wasn't able to make it. But um, no, it's just a great pleasure, and thank you again so much. <laughs>